Burning Questions, proudly brought to you by a bunch of us. Burning Questions, big topic today, well-being. I'm Kerrigan Kerrigan. We've got two specialists to talk about our health and safety and our well-being today. So welcome and introduce yourselves. Hi, uh, my name's Jono. I'm the health and safety well-being advisor for Northland. And I'm Carol Hecke. I am the welfare officer for Tehiku Region Brian Emergency. Wellbeing. Carol, can you tell me what well-being actually is? Well-being is different for everyone, obviously. Um, you know, we're all different individuals. And it's around our thoughts and feelings, behaviours, how we're treating ourselves at the time, and happiness plays an integral integral part of that as well. So break those down for me a little bit. Being happy, how does that reflect on your well-being or in our you know in our work and with fire and emergency and just general life how do these different parts reflect on your overall well-being well it's that fulfillment of life and your general overall uh, sense of meaning you know your you know how you're feeling at work how you're feeling at home so that overall sense of uh, happiness I guess and fulfillment in your life yeah i agree and um you know if you're not if you're not happy and you're not your well-being is low then you know your interactions with other people and your and the way you go about your job um suffers yeah so i've heard well-being described like a house four walls of the house what are they talking about tafari tafafa model what does that mean so the four four pillars basically of of your home of a, well, of a home um spiritual fano your physical and your mental well-being so i guess those four walls um they all need to be strong and equally as strong so if if one of them falls down then the whole the whole building falls down the building being your your mental well-being so you need to keep all four of those strong and be constantly working on all four of those so say for physical that's about getting out every day doing something even if it's just going for a walk having a short break getting out of nature well-being side of things could be some meditation mindfulness for me it's surfing getting out in the waves and having a break it really is different for everybody but just having those all four walls need to be strong otherwise you like i said down it goes and that's your well-being dropping working in fire and emergency these days we've got an mou with st john our firefighters have been exposed to more and more you know traumatic incidents yes um how are we as leaders and brigades as firefighters and brigades meant to deal with this increased traumatic incidents that we're being exposed to? Well I guess you know that we're just talking to about Te Whare Tapafa but alongside of that is our support that we're also providing to our firefighters, to our brigades, to our career stations and whether that be through counselling or having appointment with a clinical psychologist or even our support, uh, peer support team providing support to a brigade. Um, there are a number of support avenues as well as myself and as well as Jono being able to provide that support to a brigade. On the ground level what does that look like? So you've gone to a job and three of the people that were riding on the truck are unaffected by it but one of the persons is affected so how as an officer or as a colleague do we support that person? So from my perspective, obviously, I'd like to think, one, that the chief or the station officer would reach out to me, but also in terms of that support, 
I'm able to offer, you know, Vitae counselling, which is open to any firefighter, fire and emergency employee, uh, 24-7. And there is also clinical psychologists that we offer through a referral process from me and also our peer support team who are on hand uh, amongst a number of different brigades and stations out in Tehiku. So the other option too is more than happy to get into my car after an incident and get out to the brigade and support them um, just being on station. So Jono, how does the process work? We start with a K41-1 and then brigades will put in a K13. What does that mean? Who does it notify? And what process happens after that sit rep's been put through? Yeah, right. So so the K13s um, go through to ComSend and, and they're obviously subjective. So what will affect one person might not affect another. So we always promote... Um, you know, put them. You know, put them in at any you know any time. There's no harm in putting one in. And once once that goes through, the K13 will um, go through uh, a report that comes to myself, to Carol, to um, Mel, the other welfare officer down in Auckland, and to all the GMs around the uh, district and the regions. So we're we're aware of what um, of what's happening, and and then usually Carol will kick in. Um, she's the subject matter expert on this, so she'll get in and, and get in touch with the chief, um, and and from that point, the support will start rolling in. Um, and then from the safe at work side of things, we encourage people to put in a um, an entry into the psychological safe at work. Um, so you've got a, a really good record of exact date, time, and and the details and how it affected them. So if anything happens down the down the track in terms of ACC they've got a good record of that. How often should we if we've gone through a traumatic event be putting in that psychological well-being report um, every time? Basically any time that you go to anything that affects you um, you can put it in it's a pretty simple thing to do it only takes a couple of minutes once you've once you've done one it, it's a really quick process um, and we really encourage it and and ACC requires that if, if you need any support financially or any other support at all, um, ACC will require that, that proof proof that you went to that job. And we find that on the health and safety? Yep, so Safe at Work's on the portal um, and it's in the same place that you'd go to put in an accident or an EMS. Carol, when we're doing a debrief after one of these incidents, what are some of the um, identifying factors that somebody may be struggling? Um, look, we're all different. Uh, every one of us are different and, you know, in terms of a traumatic incident, some of us, you know, deal with it in our own way, whether it might be going out for a run or going to the gym or catching up with friends or what. But for someone, perhaps a week to 10 days down the track, if they're not sleeping, they've turned to perhaps drinking more than they um, would normally, or they've become very angry at home, you know, taking it out on the kids and, you know, their partner then, you know, I would suggest to reach out and whether or not that's talking to their chief, you know, or if it's reaching out to one of our peer supporters or myself, please reach out, you know, that's what we're here for. As brigade members, how do we look at each other to start identifying some of those facts? Because some of our firefighters will just take stuff home. On station, around them, how, how do we how do we identify if somebody's having a hard time? Look, I think 
on a station, you, you know, you firefighters know each other really well. You know, you, you know your ins and outs. A lot of, especially in some of our smaller communities, you in, you know each other, you know each other's families. You know, you, you get in and you communicate with one another on the station. If you're seeing someone basically falling over and they're not travelling well, then, yeah, reach out. So you notice somebody's having a hard time? And you go up to them and, and you ask them how they're having a hard time. Very difficult conversation to have. Mm. What are some of the skills and techniques that we can use to break down those barriers to have a chat to someone? I think, look, in the past for me, and I'm just thinking of uh, someone specifically, very hard to get them to reach out for support. I knew that they needed support. And what I did to start and bridge the gap between myself and them was to arrange for it to meet for a coffee. And we just caught up for a coffee at a place that was, you know, suitable for them because I'm really easy to get around um, any brigade or, or wherever and just sat and had a coffee in a totally neutral place and just talked. And then we've had, I think, two coffees since then. So there's ways and means of just sitting there and we don't even necessarily have to talk about the incident, just life in general, really. So it's just getting people just to break down, to trust, and to hopefully we can, you know, just gradually move them on to some uh, psychologist support. So environment? Oh, absolutely, yep. yep. Take, take them out of, don't try and talk to them on the fire station? No, take them away from there. You know, when, when there's not a lot of people around too, because sometimes when you're in that group setting, you know, with a number of you, some people don't feel comfortable if they're becoming emotional or... You know, they would rather just be away from the station and just feel a lot more comfortable. And not all the time, to be fair, you know, but, yeah, there are a lot of people that just prefer to be away if they need to break down or anything like that. Just talking about one of the... an incident one of our fire stations went to where their chief had passed away and the crew was involved Mm -hmm. in CPR. What was the process after the K41, K13 that you were involved in with that specific brigade? Oh, so before the K41 and K13, um, or I'd received the report, I'd actually been rung by the general manager, asked by the district manager to come to the station that afternoon. It was on a weekend. So basically I was straight in my car and up to support um, the brigade and really not to do anything then and there because people had a grieving process to to go through. Um, But it was just there to show my face and, you know, make a cup of tea or or whatever and just be there as as a, you know, support for people. And then... To be able to, well, later on that night or the day after, I'd actually followed up with every brigade member with a text. So they had my phone number in their phones in case they needed um, support. And from there on, I just kept in contact with the deputy chief and, you know, just to see how everyone was travelling and to follow up with those people that were struggling. And in particular, the ones that had been to that call-out. Okay, John, we're talking about the different levels of peer support. We've got peer support and then we've got Carol's level. What's, what's the different levels and what are some of the things that should go to you or to, as a peer supporter or straight up to Carol? What's the difference? We've got Vitae in there as well. Right. Well, so the peer supporters are 
other firefighters, um, volunteer or career, and they've done some training around how they can signpost people in the right direction. So they're not there to do any counselling, um, they're there to point people in the right direction. So they might have a little bit of a chat to them, like Carol mentioned, a cup of coffee or something, and, and talk about the issue. And then they can direct them either straight to Vitae, which is an 0800 or 0508 number. And then they can book in to see a, a counsellor locally. Or um, they can also give, give them my number, Carol's number, and then they can get in touch with us and we can help them get some support through counselling. Or if the problem is a little bit more involved, they might go to a, a clinical psychologist. So yeah, really they're just signposting people in the right direction. That's the peer supporters. So we have a terminology in fire emergency called psychological first aid. What is that, Carol? Uh, well, one of them being the our manners model. You can actually get little pamphlets, tiny little pamphlets to carry with you or to have on the station with you. So manners standing for M, standing for minimise exposure. So if you're going out to an incident, the chief obviously is going to go in and, and you know, do his thing first. You're out there surveying what's going on and that sort of thing. Don't let the rest of your crew go in. So you're minimising that exposure as to how many firefighters are actually exposed to the incident. The A standing for acknowledging the event. So, you know, whether or not it's up to, you know, to those people that are involved in it, who is involved and problematic areas that are in that incident. N standing for normalising reactions. So understanding that the emotions that people are feeling, that it's normal to respond in that way. So your E stands for educators required. An example of that might be getting St John's along um, to sort of go through what happened in, in that um in that event and you know often there might be some medical sort of incident where there's nothing you could have done knowing that information just sort of takes the weight off um, and makes it a bit easier to deal with. R is for review, restore or refer so refer might be to um, to refer someone on to to get support from a clin psych or a, a counsellor and self-care is 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 what exactly what it says looking after yourself so whatever it is that you do that um that sort of keeps you sane and, and keeps you happy go for a run go for a walk go for a surf catch up with a friend and have a cup of tea whatever it might be just to sort of look after yourself in that situation so what are some general tips for dealing with stress so you've been to some incidents you might be getting some counseling you may be maybe you haven't maybe you just putting the manners process in place. What are some general tips to help us deal with our emotional state that we're in or family struggles and that to stop bringing them into the work? How do we deal with stress? Um, I guess, you know, like Jono, he's a runner. So I mean, getting out there and having some good exercise and whether or not that means, you know, going for a walk on the beach even or through the nature bush or anything like that. Some form of exercise, great Rest and relaxation, good sleep, loads of water, um, not too much alcohol. You know, even being with your friends and your family, just socialising with good people that you know that will support you. Yeah, and your your crew is always a good base to go to. You know, they they've been through those incidents with you, and they know how you work. So you know, often crew will, will 
catch up for a cup of tea or a, or a couple of beers, you know, maybe just one or two at the station and, and sort of walk through the event and that, even just that talking about it can um, can just sort of break break it down and, and uh, release it a little bit, make it easy to deal with. Yeah, these days as leaders we're dealing with more than just, you know, the incidents that we go to, but we're also dealing with marriage breakups mm-hmm. uh, and all these other events. So what sort of advice can you give leadership and taking into account that leaders are not always the people in charge of the brigade they're just people that lead in these areas of concern like well-being what sort of advice can you give them to work with their colleagues well i think uh, you know we have to say too that our support services aren't just about the traumatic incidents you know like the firefighters going out to it is around providing support if people are going through any relationship issues or addiction issues yeah that that support is available it's not just around traumatic incidents so Vitae have got a lot of areas that they can provide support for as well as our clinical psychologists so you know we want our firefighters to be you know when they come to turn out to a a fire or a medical incident you know their minds thinking alertly they're not bogged down with what's going on at home or you know if they've had you know some I don't know traumatic news themselves out in the um, community that they're not bogged down when they come out to turn out to a, a, a medical incident or um, fire. Mm. And the great thing about Vitae is it's not just employees or volunteers for foreign emergency it's their family as well mm. So your auntie, uncle, anything that's affecting you, you know, if them, if it affects you, then then you can they can go along to Vitae and have counselling for free as well. So they just have to mention that they've got a family member that works for for foreign emergency, and and they'll be able to get that for free as well. Because there's a lot of stress out there, even financial yeah, stress. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And, and COVID, you know, our our children have been affected by COVID being locked down, and so that has had an M- um, impact on parents as well so there's you know there's been a lot going on for people and especially in the last few years because yeah, we, we tend to focus on traumatic events to do with fire and emergency yeah. but like you say we want a clean slate when we turn up to work for yeah. fire and emergency so identifying those factors at home that are causing us these issues mm. is coming to you guys and finding some help yeah Mm. And like you said, finances can be really worrying for people. So you know you can give Vitae a call and get some budgeting advice um, from a professional. So there's all sorts out there that you can get hold of. It seems like a strange question to ask because you think it would come naturally. But what is the benefits of having a strong and healthy team? Well, one is too self confidence and self esteem. You know, if people are have a, a good, a strong team and they're confident in what they're delivering, then whoever you're delivering to or providing that service to are going to get, you know, a one a one support or yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if your mind's bogged down with all sorts of issues when you come to work, then you won't be focusing on your job. And obviously what we do is safety critical so if you're not focusing 100% then you're putting um, you're putting your team at risk and yourself so it's key to sort of come in with a clear mind and and if you're you know if you're resilient and, and your well-being's in a good state then when you come to work you're you're 100% focused on what you're doing at the time rather than worrying about what your kids up to or whether you you know your wife's okay or whatever 
I think it's to that contentment in life. You know, you're, you're content, I guess, and, you know, you've got a sense of meaning and purpose getting up. You know, just out of bed in the morning, you've got a purpose and, and you know, yeah, just being fulfilled, really, in your life. Mm. And what we do is, is a pretty serious serious job, but, um, you know, you want to have fun and, and enjoy yourself at the same time, so... It's key to be um, having a bit of a laugh as well while you're doing it and, and enjoying the whole process, right? Mm, good balance. Because it's very hard to support somebody when you're not well yourself. That's right, yeah. Bit of a positive outlook on life. John, as a health and safety advisor for Northland, what are some of the incidents that you want to see going into the safer work and what are some incidences that are good to see going into safer work? Right, yeah, so... I mean, it's it's such a simple tool to use, and it's really quick to put to put an incident into Safe at Work. We've got a really good example that happened recently in one of the stations out west. So there was an MVA with power lines down, and power was was there. And at one point, the the wrong pole was communicated to to the commsen, and the power lines livened up for a short period of time. Fortunately, our crew were back away from the vehicle at the time, so no one was injured. But it was, you know, it was a pretty close call, and and so putting these near misses in are, are really key. So we did a level two investigation on on that incident, and as a result, North Powers um, had a good look at the at the way they do things, and they've changed changed their procedures. So the way they do things is much safer now, and we've even we got someone from North Power to go out to the brigade and, and talk about power line safety. So yeah, those near misses are really key. No one got hurt, but we got some great learnings and and some improvements to the way things are done. So if we if we hadn't heard about that, if it hadn't gone into safe at work, then we wouldn't have been able to make those improvements. So key to get you know anything you know you might might seem minor, but good learnings can come out of that. So it's not a witch hunt; it's about how we can do things better. Final thoughts. A reminder to everyone that we are only a phone call away, and that goes right throughout the country. There's six welfare offices throughout the country now, two in Tahiku, with one in each other region. Uh, we have a manager wellbeing. We are all only a phone call away. Yeah, and you know what what you guys see and what you what you experience at these calls is is not normal. So. Give yourselves a break, you know. It's it's tough what you see, and acknowledge that um, it's you know most people don't see this in, in their whole lifetime, and, and you guys might see it on a weekly or daily basis. So yeah, be be prepared to um, to ask for that support and and keep an eye on each other. Thank you, John and Carol, for your wisdomous pearls, and uh, thanks for being part of Burning Questions. Thank you. Pleasure. Burning Questions proudly brought to you by a bunch of us.